things that made the modern economy. With Tim Harford. In 2009, a group of policemen in Afghanistan checked their phones for an important text message. But when it came through, they felt sure there'd been some mistake. They knew they were part of a pilot project to see if their salaries could be paid via a new mobile money service, M-Pesa. But had they somehow overlooked the happy detail that their participation brought a pay rise? Or had someone mistyped the amount of money to send them? The message said that their salary was significantly larger than usual. In fact, the amount was what they should have been getting all along. But previously they received their salaries in cash, passed down from the ministry via their superior officers. And somewhere along the line, some of that cash had been getting skimmed off, about 30%. Indeed, the ministry soon realised that one in ten policemen, whose salaries they'd been dutifully handing over cash for, did not in fact exist. The policemen were delighted to suddenly be getting their full salary. Their commanders were less delighted at losing their cut. One was reportedly so irate that he optimistically offered to save his officers the trouble of visiting the M-Pacer agent. Just hand over your phones and pins, he said, and I'll collect your salaries myself. Afghanistan is among the developing country economies currently being reshaped by mobile money, the ability to send payments by text message or SMS. The ubiquitous kiosks that sell prepaid mobile airtime effectively function like bank branches. You deposit cash and the agent sends you an SMS adding that amount to your balance. Or you send the agent an SMS and she gives you cash. And you can text some of your balance to anyone else. It's an invention with roots in many places, but it first took off in Kenya. And that story starts with a presentation made in Johannesburg, South Africa, in 2003. The speaker was Nick Hughes of Vodafone at the World Summit for Sustainable Development. Nick Hughes's topic was how to encourage large corporations to allocate research funding to ideas that look risky but might help poor countries to develop. In the audience was a man with an answer to that question, an official for DFID, the United Kingdom's Department for International Development. DFID had money to invest in a challenge fund to improve access to financial services. And phones, well, phones looked interesting. DFID had noticed that customers of African mobile networks were transferring prepaid airtime to each other as a sort of quasi-currency. So the man from DFID had a proposition for Hughes. Suppose DFID were to chip in a million pounds, not far off $2 million at the time, provided Vodafone committed the same. Might that help Hughes's ideas to attract the attention of his bosses? It did. Hughes's initial idea was ambitious but narrow. Microfinance, a hot topic in international development at the time. Hundreds of millions of would-be entrepreneurs were too poor for the banking system to bother with, so they couldn't get loans. If only they could borrow a small amount, enough to buy a cow perhaps, or a sewing machine or a bicycle, they could start a thriving business. Hughes wanted to explore having microfinance clients repay their loans via SMS. By 2005, Hughes's colleague Susie Loney had parked herself in Kenya with Safaricom, a mobile network part-owned by Vodafone. The pilot project didn't always look destined to be a success. 
Loney recalls conducting one training session in a sweltering tin shed, battling the noise of a nearby football match and the incomprehension of microfinance clients. Before she could explain M-Pesa, she had to explain how to operate a basic mobile phone. Then people started using the service, and it soon became clear that they were using it for a whole lot more than just repaying loans to microfinance institutions. Intrigued, Loney dispatched researchers to find out what was going on. One woman in the pilot project said she'd texted some money to her husband when he was robbed so he could catch the bus home. Others said they were using M-Pesa to avoid being robbed on the road, depositing money before a journey and withdrawing it on arrival. Businesses were depositing money overnight rather than keeping it in a safe. People were paying each other for services. And workers in the city were using M-Pesa to send money to relatives back home in the village. It was safer than the previous option, entrusting the bus driver with cash in an envelope. Loney realised they were onto something big. Vodafone thought it had invented a tool for loan repayments. But Kenyans had taken that tool and used it to reinvent money itself. Just eight months after M-Pesa launched, a million Kenyans had signed up. That's now about 20 million. Within two years, M-Pesa transfers amounted to 10% of Kenya's economy. That's since become nearly half. Soon, there were a hundred times as many M-Pesa kiosks in Kenya as cash machines. Now you can send PESA fast and safe using Safaricom's new service, M-PESA. M-PESA is a textbook leapfrog technology, where an invention takes hold because the alternatives are poorly developed. Mobile phones allowed Africans to leapfrog their often woefully inadequate landline networks. M-PESA exposed their banking systems, typically too inefficient to turn a profit from serving the low-income majority. If you're plugged into the financial system, it's easy to take for granted that paying your utility bill doesn't require wasting hours trekking to an office and standing in a queue, or that you have a safer place to accumulate savings than under the mattress. Around 2 billion people still lack such conveniences, though the number is falling fast, driven largely by mobile money. Most of the poorest Kenyans, those earning under $1.25 a day, had signed up to M-Pesa within a few years. By 2014, mobile money was in 60% of developing country markets. Some, like Afghanistan, have embraced it quickly, but it hasn't even reached some others. Nor do most developed country customers have the option of sending money by SMS, even though it's simpler than a banking app. Why did M-Pesa take off in Kenya? One reason was the relaxed approach of the banking and telecoms regulators. Elsewhere, the bureaucrats have not always been as forthcoming. According to one study, what rural Kenyan households most like about M-Pesa is the convenience for family members sending money home. But two more benefits might be even more profound. The first was discovered by those Afghan policemen, tackling corruption. In Kenya, similarly, drivers soon realised that the policemen who pulled them over wouldn't take bribes in M-Pesa. It would be linked to their phone number and could be used as evidence. In many places, corruption is endemic. In Afghanistan, bribes amount to a quarter of the economy. Kenya's matatus, the minibuses that transport people around cities, lose a third of their revenue to theft and extortion. 
you might think then that Matatu operators would have welcomed Kenya's government announcing an ambitious plan to make mobile money mandatory on Matatus. After all, if the driver has no cash, he can't be asked for bribes. But many have resisted, and the reason isn't hard to work out. Cash transactions facilitate not only corruption, but tax evasion. Matatu drivers twigged that when income is traceable, it's also taxable. That's the other big promise of mobile money, broadening the tax base by formalising the grey economy. From corrupt police commanders to tax-dodging taxi drivers, mobile money could eventually lead to quite the change in culture. Nick Hughes and Susan Loney wrote about their experience developing M-Pesa in a 2007 article for the MIT Press Journal, Innovations. For a full list of our sources, please see bbcworldservice.com slash 50 things.